Well, turning your Bibles to Ezekiel 28. Okay, for some of you, it may take you a while to find it, but uh, it's Ezekiel 28. Just flip a few pages in that Old Testament. It's pretty close to Daniel. Your Bible should open to Daniel, because we were in it long enough that there's probably some kind of crease or something there. Okay, this semester in SBI, we've been looking at the subject of angels. They're spirit beings created by God. Who are these beings? What do they do? Why is there so much interest concerning them at this time? Now, let me just say something. We, we've had a lot of classes. I've taught two, two over and over and over, and I've taught all different kind of classes. And most of the time, we'll have about 60 people sign up, and then about halfway through, it ends up being about 40 people. We had 108, I think, sign up for this class. And I think tonight we got close to 90 people in here, maybe more than that. Okay, so why the interest in angels and demons? Because we all go, well, we, you know, they're weird, and we want to know. I mean, they're, they're spirit beings. The Bible is full of references to angels. They're spirit beings. They don't have bodies. They realize this room right now, and this is the thing that's sort of scary, but they're in this room right now. There are spirit beings in this room right now that we cannot see them. In our first lesson, we focused, our first lessons, we focused on the good angels created by God to glorify God, to serve God, to serve man, and all about the ministry of God and the Christ and mankind. We looked at their existence, their organization, and, and, and we looked at how, what they do. Well, tonight, we, we move, as I said, kind of in a funny way, but we move to the darker side. We're going to look at Lucifer, the son of the morning, the devil. And we're going to see this fallen angel, and he's an enemy. He's an enemy of God, and he's an enemy of us. And, and so there is a being that's a spirit being that we can't see that hates you, that despises you. And he's got other beings with him that are spirit beings that hate you and despise you as well. And at the same time, there are spirit beings that love you. There are spirit beings that serve God. There are spirit beings that are ministering particularly to you. And we'll see how that is. So where did this fallen angel come from? What's he like? What's he trying to do? How does he relate to God? How does he relate to us? How does it all fit? So let's just start. Let's think about this. There are two extremes when you deal with the devil. Two extremes. Number one is to ignore him. To say that he doesn't even exist. There's no such thing as something people made up. Uh, and, and, uh, and there's really no such thing. The other extreme is to really put him on God's level. To, to, say, to blame him for everything, to say that he was behind all our sin and that he's in all the problems of the, of the world. Well, the first one ignores his power and ministry, and the second one almost puts him on the level with God. And so we're seeing that there's this being out there. And let me tell you, you can talk to people, go on that campus, talk to people, and ask them, do they think there's a real devil? First of all, they don't even think there's a real God, more or less a real devil. And so you, when you start thinking about these beings, so how should we view the devil? What's he like? Well, this evening we're going to look at him. So I've got it, if you notice, it's number five on basically on that outline that we gave you originally. And this is the background. So let's begin by raising some questions. Is there really a being, an angel, called Satan a bad angel? Is there really one? I mean, where would you go to find out for sure? Well, you had to go to the Bible, right? Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. This is Zechariah saying, He saw the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing in his right hand to accuse him. So he sees the high priest of Israel being accused by Satan. And then it goes on to say, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Now, who's, who just named out Satan's name and rebuked him? 
the Lord. So the Lord said to Satan. So my first thought is if, if somebody wants to question whether it's a Satan or not, I, I think the Lord says it's a Satan because he talked to him and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. And when, when Jesus was tempted, who, who tempted him? See, this, uh, this Sunday morning we're going to be in, um, well, we're the John the Baptist part, but we're going to see in just a couple of weeks the temptation of Christ. Who tempts him? Who tempts him in the, in the wilderness? Satan does. What did Jesus say to Peter when Peter said, we're not going to let you die? What did he say? Get behind me what? Satan. Who said that? Jesus. Do you think there, do you think there is a Satan or do you think Jesus is saying, oh, there's no such thing, I'm just using that word? No. Mm -mm. There is a fallen being, an angel, an enemy of God and man. And we think about Satan. What do we think about? What does he look like? There's so many misconceptions. We know that he's called Satan. He's called the son of the morning. He's called Lucifer. Uh, we already know that at one time, at one, and we'll talk more about it more this morning, uh, tonight, uh, tonight, but at one time this angel rebelled and others rebelled with him. And so there's all of this. So let me give you some false assumptions about the devil that people think. First of all, they think that the devil's in hell. I mean, if you see a picture and it's supposed to depict the devil, where is he? He's in like some cave somewhere with fire burning everywhere, and he's in hell, and so the devil is in hell, and he wants to, for us to go to hell. He's not in hell. He's not even in the heart of the earth, which is Sheol. Unbelievers are in the heart of the earth right now, but that's not hell, and Satan's not there. In fact, he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the god of this age. So he's not in hell. Number two, uh, he's, he, the, the misconception is these horrible and that he's ugly. And if you see him in a movie or something, he's got big horns coming up, and he's got a red face, and he's got red underwear, and he's got a pitchfork, and, and, uh, and, and all of that stuff. But the truth is, no, he is, he is cunning and can't probably be beautiful to affect you. When he came to Eve in the garden, what did he look like? He looked like this beautiful serpent. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't something horrible. Just, just remember that. So, it, it, so he's not horrible. He's beautiful. He's cunning. He'll attract us in whatever way our weaknesses are. The third thing that... Yeah, you got to turn the page. Yeah, okay, got it. You got it, Susie. We, ha we have to wait for Susie to turn the page. Okay, she's got, got it. it. Okay, good. Number three, that sometimes people say, when I sin, the devil made me do it. No, Satan doesn't make us sin. Satan affects the world, and the world affects our flesh. And so there's an aspect of Satan's behind all this, but Satan doesn't make you sin. In fact, when you really get down to it, in James chapter 1, he said when a person sins, they, they yield to the flesh, the flesh sins, and the sin brings death. So we, we sin because we choose to sin, not because the devil makes us sin. The devil may affect the world, and the world may affect us, but the devil is... It. And let me just say this. I've had people say, you know, Satan's really after me. I've had them say that to me, and I go, really? So obviously at this point in time, you're the most important human being on the face of the earth. Because Satan can only be at one place at one time, right? Is that right? Now, they can move pretty fast, but when you say Satan's after me, what you're actually saying is, out of all of the human beings on the face of the earth, the most evil angel of all has chosen to come after me. Right? And, and the, the truth is, there may be there's demonic stuff and there's all kind of things like that, but uh, Satan's probably not making me sin. In fact, when he says, JB, he says, I don't have to worry about him. He sins on his own all the time. I just don't have to worry about him. The fourth thing, fourth misconception is there's this giant battle between good and evil, between God and Satan, and there's this cosmic battle going on. 
No, there's not a cosmic battle going on. Satan can't do anything unless God allows it. When time comes, God is going to speak and it'll be all over. It's not a toss-up battle. It's not even close. God is God and he will deal with one of his created beings whenever he chooses to and however he chooses to. So don't think there's good and bad and there's this strong battle going on. Uh, Listen to this. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Who throws the devil into the lake of fire? God does. Yeah, and that, it's not a toss-up. It's not like, I hope I can get him in there. No, he just, it's over. It is over. Well, there's this being. We call Lucifer, Satan, a bad angel. We cannot. Let me tell you, you cannot understand how evil he is. Now, he, he doesn't even want us talking about him. And he is more evil than we can imagine. Before we leave the background concerning Satan, I want to get one big, quick overview thing that we're going to hit on in much more details. Did you question? Yeah. Yes. I swear I've seen, heard you say there is a battle going on. Well, there is a battle going on, but I'm saying it's not a toss-up. It's not, ooh, good versus evil, and it's really tight. When it's all time, God is going to speak, and it's over. So it's not a toss-up in the sense like there's bad and good and the bad is just as strong as the good. No. No, God is God. Now, there is a, there is a, we're in a fallen world and there is a, there's a whole bunch of bad stuff going on. Now, what I want to do is you see that I've got relationship to God, relationship to mankind, relationship to Jesus. I want to just touch on this. I just want to hit a big overview of what the devil really wants to do in his relationship to God, his relationship to us, and relationship to Jesus. When we get some other lessons on down, probably lessons 7, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there, we're going to go into a lot more detail on that sort of thing. So we'll see it. So let's think about the devil and his relationship to God. He desires to be God. That's he, he wants to be God. We're going to see it tonight. He wants to rule all creation. He fell. He rules a fallen world system. He wants to take God's place. That's what he wants to do. He's in open rebellion against God, and he desires to be worshipped and rule the world. So in his relationship to God, he wants to be God. That's what he. Let me. I, I brought this up. I don't know if I've brought it up lately, but you know, here was here was the creation, and here was the world, and Adam and Eve were put on this world, and they were to to subdue the world. They were. He he was really the king of the world. He's supposed to. They're supposed to together subdue the world, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. They had control over all the animals. They had control over everything. And then Satan came, and they sinned, and they lost it. What happened to him? What did God do with him? He took him out of the garden. He said, you can't come back in there. And he put what there to guard the way? That's right, a cherub and flaming sword. And so who then became king of the world? Satan becomes king of the world. And so right now, he's king of the world. We're going to see it in a few weeks on Sunday morning. We'll see it in here as well. But when Satan tempts Jesus, he takes Jesus to the top of a high mountain. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And what does he say to Jesus? I will what? Give you all these kingdoms. Jesus could say, they're not yours. Jesus didn't say that. Whose are they? They are his. He's the king of the world. Now, one of these days, Jesus Christ... After his death and resurrection, he's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what we're seeing in the Gospel of Matthew. And then Jesus is going to rule the world. He's going to be the second Adam. This is the, the, or Let me put it this way. The first Adam and the last Adam. 
And the last Adam is Jesus Christ. Through one man, sin into the world and death by sin. Through one man, salvation and rulership. And so what happened is Adam was the king. He lost it to Satan. Satan's the king. One day Jesus Christ will be the king. That's what the whole story, you know, the story of the Bible is the reconciliation thing. So in his relationship to God, he, he wants to be God. Just remember that. When you think Satan trying to be evil, look, Satan wants to look just like God. He would like to look like God. He would like to be like God. He'd like to fool you like God. We're going to see it in some weeks to come. His ministry, he has, he has false teachers that look righteous. I mean, when you, people get into cults all the time. Why? Because they know they're evil? No, they think they're right. It sounds right to me. Mormon sounds right to me. Jehovah's Witness sounds right to me. This guy sounds right to me. And they're false. And they're close. But they're not right. He's not getting far away from God. He's trying to get as close to God as he can get. That's his plan. In relationship to mankind, um, uh, he, he's a liar. And his goal is to corrupt us. And there's two aspects. To the unbelievers, his plan is this. He does not want an unbeliever ever to trust Christ. That's his plan. He doesn't care if you're religious. He doesn't care if you go to church. In fact, he would probably rather you go to church. Because so many people go to churches that the Bible's never taught and the message is never given. And there's so many people who go to church and think they're saved because they go to church. So Satan says, that's wonderful. I don't care. Let them be religious. As long as they think they're okay and they're not, that's fine. That's what he does with the unbeliever. He has a false gospel. It's a gospel of works. He has a false ministry. Uh, and, and that's to the unbelievers. Now, to the believers, his plan is this, and that is to stop you from serving. He does not want you to ever serve God. It's too late. You've trusted in Christ, so you have eternal life. But he doesn't want you to serve God because he knows if you serve God, one day you'll stand before God and God will say, What? Well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't want that. He, he doesn't want you doing anything good. And so far as the believers are concerned, he wants to stop you from serving in any way. He wants you to doubt God's love, and he wants you to doubt God's word. That's what he did in the garden. He said to Eve, if God really loved you, wouldn't he let you eat all the trees? And you shall not surely die. He wanted them to doubt God's love, doubt God's word. And what happened? And that's what he does for us. He says, God doesn't really love you, because if he really loved you, and, and you're single... And you want to be married? If he really loved you, you'd be married. He doesn't care anything about you. Or if he really loved you, you'd have a better job. If he loved you, your family would be better. If he really loved you, this would be better. That's what he wants you to think. And then he also wants you to think that the Bible's not true. And so he wants you to doubt the Word of God. And that's his plan. And he's, he'll do anything to stop you. And I'll say this about, I would say probably 70% of Christians in the United States don't do anything. He's got it. They're, they're just... They're just sitting over on the side, just sitting there. Some of them may go to church, sit on the back row, wait for the thing as soon as I mean, they beat me out the door, right? It's just, it's just not what they want. You know, they, so the bottom line is uh, that's what he wants to do with the unbelievers. And finally, in his relationship to Jesus, the goal in his relationship to Jesus is to stop him, stop him from being the Savior. That was the goal. He, 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 he did, hadn't been able to do it, and I don't know whether he thinks somehow along the way he can stop it, but that's his real goal, is to stop him. And he really wanted this. If you remember in Matthew, we're going to see it in chapter 4, when we get to the temptation, he told Jesus, you can be the king right now, instead of what? Instead of what? Instead of dying. See, see Satan says... We want the crown before the cross. Satan wanted Jesus to be the king without dying. Because if you don't die, what happens? 
no salvation. So he said, Jesus, you can be the king, but Jesus knew that he's got to have the cross before the crown. Got to. That's the only way it works. And he told Jesus, if you will worship me, see, and Jesus' plan, of course, is from the seed of woman all the way through to crush him. So think about Satan's plan is always to stop it. Think all the way back um, at the time of Noah. What was happening? Remember we, we said that weird stuff was happening? And so God, you know, basically wiped out everybody with eight people. At the time of Esther, what did that bad name named Haman, what was he wanting to do? Wanted to kill all the Jews. If you kill all the Jews, is there going to be a Messiah? No. Uh-uh. And what about Jesus and the temptation? Just be, become the king without the cross. What about Hitler? What did he try to do? He wanted to wipe out the Jews. It was too late, of course, because Jesus already come. But it, 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 Satan is opposed to God and his creation. So we've seen his, his relationship to God, his relationship to mankind, his relationship to Jesus. He is an evil being. So let's talk about the creation of Satan. And, and think about it. You, you have to say creation. What's the matter? The, the crown before the cross. The crown before the cross. All right, let's talk about the creation. The creation of Satan. If you want to, go ahead and turn to Ezekiel. I, I told you that earlier, didn't I? Ezekiel 28, okay? And we're going to see this creation of this being. Because he's a being, right? Who, who's the only one never created? God. God. God's existed forever. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. We talked about a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago. The whole idea of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are eternal. Okay? From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 90, verse 2. So the thing about it, God's always existed. Satan hasn't always existed. God created him. So I want you to see this. So uh, he is a created being. He's an angel. He's not a God. In Colossians 1.16, Jesus Christ created all things, visible and invisible. Okay? Now, Ezekiel 28, look at verse 13. Just look right there. It says, you, and, and let me just say this to you, that... The two passages, one is Ezekiel 28, the other one is Isaiah 14. Those are two passages that deal with Satan in the Old Testament. And when you start each of the chapters dealing with them, it starts off one king of Babylon, the other one the king of Tyre. It starts off by talking about some earthly king, but as you go through the passage, all of a sudden you realize he's not talking about an earthly king. So look at Ezekiel, 20, uh, Ezekiel 28, look at verse 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, was any earthly king in Eden, the garden of God? No. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, the diamond. Look what it says. The beryl, the onyx, the jasper. And he would list a bunch of them. And look at the very last part of verse 13. On the day that you were what? Created. So God created this being on the day that you were created. Uh, this is an incredible being. Uh, in, um, in an earlier place, he, he actually says that he is called the anointed cherub. So we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Um, when it says, uh, you remember the six days of creation? Can anybody say the six days? You know, you can't. But it, most our, probably our children can, but we probably can't. But is there anything in the six days of creation where God creates angels? Isn't that funny? That's not there. So what does that really mean? Angels had to be created before creation. And we already know from, the jo- from Job that they sang for joy at the creation. 
So we're going to talk about it. So wh when was this being created, and, and how did it work? And, and uh, either, either, and we're going to talk about it, but either he was created before this world, uh, or before mankind, somehow it was in there. It seems to me that uh, because angels, you know, worshipped or had joy at the creation of the world, that, that this being was created before he created this. And, and we're going to talk about something, and, and we threw this out our last couple of times. So here's, here's this being, this angel, and, and we'd say the bad angel, and then there's the fall of the bad angels, and then, or, and we'll talk more about it in a minute, but here's this creation of this world. Why would God, if he's got angels, and he's got himself, and he's always existed, and then at a point in time, at a point and sometime in time, he creates these beings. Why did he create these beings? And then at another point in time, why did he even create us? And did he, our creation of man have anything to do with the fall of the angels? Those are just questions to think about because the Bible kind of gives us some indications of some of this stuff, but there's no way to really know. And I mean, I've had people that got documents, I mean, got page after page. Here's why God created man according to this. I said, well, where are the verses that you're using to talk about that. I mean, it's a great subject to think about and to work through, but where are the verses that say, here's why I created man, here's why I did this, here's why I did not uh, have salvation for the angels, but I do have salvation for mankind. Why is all that? We just don't see it. So, with that in mind, let's talk about the fall, okay? And let's look at three things. Number one, when, what happened, okay? Number one is what happened, which is the fall. So, what happened? How did they fall? How did that work? So that's your number one. Number two, when did the fall happen? When did the fall happen? And then number three, the results of the fall. And we're talking about the fall of Satan. We're not talking about the fall of mankind. We're talking about the fall of Satan. So you got this being out there that was created, and then he fell. So what happened? And then when did it happen? And what's the results of it happening? That's the big three things. So let's start with what happened? What happened? And, and let me just start off by this. We, we already know that uh, th there's this, uh, the world and there's the, the creation of God and we know there's this rebellion and we know that sin entered the universe through Satan and sin entered the world through mankind. So we know all of that. But the question is, what happened? I, I read a book, a guy by the name of Ron Rose wrote a book. He called, his book is called uh, uh, Those Spirit Beings Called Angels. He's got a good little book on it. And he says, what is the result? What, what, what happened when Satan fell? He said, sin, Satan's sin, of course, had widespread, uh, widespread effects. It affected other angels. It affected all people. It positioned him as ruler of the world. It affects all the nations of the world. For he works to deceive them. Satan's act of rebellion had unfathomable consequences. I just wanted to throw that out. When, when he fell, when that being fell, when that evil being fell, it has consequences on every aspect of all creation. Now let me ask you this question. Did God know when he created the angels that a particular angel would rebel and other angels would go with him? Yes. He knows everything, doesn't he? He knows them from the beginning. He's not, even, he's not even limited by time in any way, shape, or form. He's not saying, let me see what's going to be next week. I mean, he already knows everything. There is no time for God. No, no time 
in God's aspect. I mean, that's why when people say, you know, what is it going to be like when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Have you thought about this? You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Is that right? Each one of you? Right? Do you think you'll be in a long line going, man, when is he going to get to me? Or maybe I don't want to get to me. I'll just, hey, you can go ahead of me, buddy. Thank you. You know? But let me ask you something. You think it's going to be that way? I don't think it's going to be that way at all. I think you'll be like you're the only one standing before him. Because he, he's everywhere. He doesn't have to take each person and go, could you all mind waiting? Could you all mind being quiet over there while I do this? You know, he's not going to do that. You're just going to be there. Because he's outside of time. You understand that. We, we de- we're in time. He's outside of time. That's why every prophecy. I mean, it's not like, uh, let me see what I'm going to do uh, a year from now. Huh? He doesn't think that way at all. He's outside of time. So did he know when he created these beings that one of them was going to rebel and fall and others would go with him? Did he know when he created human beings that putting Adam and Eve in a perfect garden, a perfect situation, that they would still fall and it'd be sin in the world? Did he know that? Yeah. So none of this is a surprise. So let's, the angels have decision-making capacity. Is that not true? We're, true? Because we're, we're not robots and they weren't either. Now, best we can tell is after the fall of angels, they're confirmed in either their righteousness or their evilness. They're confirmed in that because there's no more angels coming. There's just one group of angels, and when they fail, it's like, okay, these guys fail. You're now fallen angels forever, and you are good angels forever. And so that's the best we can tell. So let's look at this being, okay? And we're going to see the fall of Satan. And as I look at verse 12 again of Ezekiel 28, verse 12. It says, Son of man, take up lamentations over the king of Tyre and, and say, Thus says the Lord God. Now, we start off and he says, That's the king of Tyre. Where is Tyre? Anybody know? I mean, if you've got, you got the coast, if you've got Israel, and it goes like this, Tyre is right there. It's a city. And at one time, it was a very powerful city. And there was a king who ruled it. But when it starts off and he says this lament against the king of Tyre, our mind says, oh, he's talking about the king of Tyre. But all of a sudden, you read the verse and you realize what? He's not talking about the king of Tyre. Notice, he says, take this lament over the king of Tyre. Thus says the Lord, you had the seal of perfection. Did the king of Tyre, was he ever perfect? Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty? You think he was? I don't think so. Who is this being that was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty? You were in the garden, in the Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone. And we just read that verse a while ago. And then on the end it says, uh, verse 13, on the day that you were created. I mean, he's, he's talking about this being, okay? And then look at verse 24. Uh, excuse me, verse 14. You were the what? Anointed cherub who covers. Covers what? What do cherubs do? Can you think of two cherubs that covered anything? On the Ark of the Covenant, there were two symbolic angels, cherubs, with wings stretched out, covering the, covering the place that God would meet with people. So what do you think this being's position was? He's at the throne of God. I don't, you can't get any higher than that. I mean, I don't know where Michael is or Gabriel is at this time, but this guy's got one of the top jobs, right? Let's just say it. He's, I mean, he's up there. He's the anointed cherub. The anointed means picked out, set apart. And, and there it is. And look what he goes on to say. You were the anointed cherub, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. Where is he talking about? Huh? 
I don't know what he's talking about. Probably not the first heaven because that's atmosphere. It's probably the third heaven. It's probably where God dwells, okay? You were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until. Until what? Unrighteousness was found in you. Yeah. He was, exactly. He wanted to be God. Let, let's see what he let's see what he says. Because you're right. Look at verse 16. He says, "By the abundance of your trade, you were in, internally filled with violence, and you what? You sinned." And so, put it down. The angel sinned in 28:16. The angel sinned. It's rebellion. And notice what he goes on to say: "That and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as profane from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire." What happened to him? He lost his job. He had a good job, didn't he? He was big. I mean, he's covering the throne of God. He's the main one. There's all this stuff around him. And he that says, you sinned. He sinned. What did he do? We'll talk about it. Look at verse 28. Your heart was what? Lifted up. I'm sorry, 17. Your heart was what? Lifted up. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. His heart was lifted up. What do we call that? Pride. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, just out by that, put pride. Because listen to what it says. A new convert is not to be a place of leadership in a church, so they will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. What was the devil's sin? Pride. Pride what? How? He says, I'm good enough to be God. I should be God. I should be God. Look at me. I'm beautiful. I'm powerful. I control. I'm at the throne of God. In fact, if I'm at the throne of God, I should be what? Probably sitting on the throne of God. And I don't know why I'm not. And so we see that his heart was lifted up in pride. Now let me tell you, what caused the fall of Satan? What caused the fall of mankind? Pride. Let me tell you, it's a terrible thing. If you look in the Bible, huh? The angels sinned, okay? Yeah. Let me tell you something. When you look in the Scripture, there's a great contrast between pride and humility. And he always says, God pushes down the prideful and he raises up the humble. And he showed it in Philippians 2. It says, Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven to humble himself, to become a human being, to humble himself, to die on the cross. Therefore, God has done what? Highly exalted him. Listen, do you, you, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? What do you got to do? Be a servant, right? Say, no pride here. I mean, think about this. The night Jesus was, the night Jesus was betrayed and taken and arrested, guess what the guys were arguing about at the Last Supper? Who's going to be the top one? Who's going to be the top one? Who's going to have the best position in the kingdom? And that wasn't the first time. In fact, there was another time he was walking along. He knew what they were talking about. And he turned back to them and said, what are you all talking about? And they were all embarrassed because they'd all been talking about who should be the number one. Who should be the number one. And then you know James and, James and John's mother went straight to Jesus and said, i got a question for you. I'd like you to do something. He says, what would you like? She said, I'd like when the kingdom comes, you took my two boys. They're two good Jewish boys. Two guys, one on the right, one on the left. He said, you don't even know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. The, the worst thing we can do is be prideful. It's the worst thing. When, when we get to do anything and God lets us do something, 
we should just say, grace of God. He let me do this. Grace of God. Well, what happened? What did he do? I want you to turn to Isaiah. Turn a couple of books back to Isaiah 14. We're going to see the other part of the Old Testament that deals with this being. Isaiah 14, go to verse 12. He starts off talking about the king of Babylon. But as you get into the passage, you realize he's not talking about a human king because of what he says. So I want you to see this. This is one of the most famous passages in the Bible. When somebody talks to you and they say something about the five I wills of Satan, you know what they are. They're right here. Isaiah chapter 14. And this is the five I wills of Satan. Uh, verse... Uh, it's supposed to be, I'm sorry, y'all, it's supposed to be 14, verse 12, not verse 2. So it's 14, verse 12. It says, how have you fallen from where? Heaven. Heaven. This, this being has fallen from heaven. The throne, the star of the morning, the sun of the dawn, the shining one, cut down to earth. Look what he says. How have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning? You know what star of the morning means? The shining one. You're shining. You're looking good. The sun of the dawn. What, what happens when the sun comes up and you're out there and you go, wow, woo, it's coming up. It's beautiful. It's big. It's powerful. That's what he's called. He lights up the world. But you've been cut down to earth. You have weakened the nations. And beginning at verse 13, we're going to see five I will statements. Five things that he says that he's going to do. Remember, he's lifted up with what? Pride. Okay, watch what he says. Verse 13. But you have said in your heart, here's number one, I will ascend to heaven. That's number one. I will ascend to heaven. We said, well, he's already in heaven, isn't he? Right? But he's not saying, I want to just be in heaven, because he's already where? At the throne of God. You know what he's saying? I will ascend to heaven. He said, I'm going to be the top one in heaven. He's already there. He says, I want God's place. I want the same place as God. We've always said there's the three heavens. The first heaven is the atmosphere. The second heaven is probably the abode of the angels. And the third heaven is the abode of God. And angels can go back and forth. And there are some angels that stay around the throne of God. So there's some, some angels that are always in the third heavens. There's angels that go back and forth. This being was in the third heaven. And he's not saying, I'd like to be in the heavens. He says, I want to be the, I want to be the one. I will ascend to heaven. That means he's going to take a dwelling place great position. Number two, look what he says. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Number two, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. What do you think the stars of God are? Do you think he's talking about the stars? The heavenly bodies? What do you think he's talking about? Uh, yeah. Angels, the host of God, the stars. Uh, what's he called? He's called star of the morning. He says, I want to be above all the other angels. Look at the third I will. He says, I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. One of the world is the mount of assembly. He's saying, I want to be on the top place and everybody gather around and assemble and look at me because I'm the main one. I will sit on the amount of the assembly. That's what he's talking about. A place of rule, a place of judgment. He wants to be the top place. What does he want? What does he want? He wants to be God. He wants to be God. Who rules the world? No, the whole, everything, everything. God does. Who's, who's on the amount of the assembly? Who rules over the stars? Who rules over everything? God does. 
Even when we say Satan is the god of this age, who rules even over all this world that allows Satan to be the god of this age? God does. There's nothing outside God's authority. He goes on in verse 14. He gives us the fourth I will. Look what he says. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. What does that mean? He, he says, I want the highest point in the universe. I want to be the rule over everything. Only God rules over everything. By the way, when you hear the word cloud and you think of God, what do you think of? Hmm? When you hear the word cloud and you think of God, what do you think of? Have you ever heard of the Shekinah glory? Anybody know what that is? Sometimes God made his appearance by a cloud. Do you remember when they came out of Egypt? What happened? There was a cloud by day and a pillar of cloud by night. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and Moses and Elijah there, what came over them? A big cloud. There's a time place in one of the Old Testament passages where they've rejected God, and so this cloud comes from the temple and leaves. It's symbolic of God leaving the temple. So a cloud sometimes is a reference to God. And look what he says. I will ascend above the height of the what? The clouds. He's basically saying, I want to be the highest of all things. I want to be in the place of God. And then number five, and this was the last one, and this is the key one. Look what he says. I will make myself like what? The most high. What is he saying? I'll be God. I'll be God. This plan. His plan is to be God. He looked around and he said, why does God be God? Why should God be God? I can be God. I'm, look at me. What has he forgotten? God created him. God, nobody created God. God's always existed. I know we can't comprehend that, but he has. His pride lifted him up. He wanted to take the place of God. And you remember when he came to Eve. Let me ask you something. His failure of sin and pride was that he wanted to be what? God. Okay, when Satan came to Eve... And said to her, has God said you can't eat from all the trees? And she said, well, we can eat from all of them except that one. Well, why won't he let you do that? And then what did he say? God knows in the A that you eat from that tree, you will be like God. Listen, what's, every, day, every time you sin, you know what you're saying? I'm God. Because you're choosing to do what you do above what God has told you to do. That's all of us. We're doing our thing. We're saying, I do my thing. Yeah, but your thing is nothing in reality. You're not God. So anytime we sin, we're actually saying to God, I think my thing is better than your thing. Or I'd rather do my thing than your thing. Or I think I know more about my thing than you know about my thing. That's what we're saying. Satan said, I will be God. Satan came to Eve and said, you will be God. What do the Mormons say you're going to be? You can be a God. Where do you think they got that from? They got that from Satan. You think Mormonism's right? Mormonism is a cult. It's so confused and so messed up, and yet you've got people buying into it all the time. We're going to talk about it later. Not tonight, but some other times. But there are cults and everything out there. And let me tell you, anything you worship other than the true gods, you're worshiping Satan. You're worshiping Satan. You're worshiping false gods. And they're not really any other God. There's only one God. So when we say false gods, there's only one other thing to worship. What is it? Satan. Yeah. It always amazes me. I'm, I'm going to get off for the, you know, for the, but there's a passage in, in Isaiah, and it says that a man will take a tree, and he'll cut down a tree, and he'll cut the tree in half, 
and he'll take half the tree and he'll form it into an idol and set it over here. He'll take the other half of the tree, he'll cut it up and burn it and set it around the fire and then take the other half of the tree and worship it. And he said, so you took a tree that you used for firewood and you made it a god. And then he says, how stupid can you be? Listen, have you ever seen anybody that worships an idol? I'm talking about a real idol. I'm, uh, we got idols in our lives all the time. Anything we put in front of God is an idol. But have you ever seen anybody worship an idol? I, I have to, I've, you've heard me tell the story, but I, it, back, oh, 20-something years ago, uh, we were thinking about buying a house, Gene and I, and there was one in the neighborhood close to us, and it had a for sale sign, and somebody said, the family's over there, just go see them. Well, they were a family that they weren't from this country. They were from another country. And they had the cutest little boy, and it was a, you know, and they said, yeah, we're selling our house. And I kept feeling somebody pulling on my pants, you know, and I said, hey. He said, and he was pulling my pants. I said, hey, buddy. He said, you want to see my God? And I thought I misunderstood him. At first I said, what did you say? He said, do you want to see my God? And I said, yeah. Like, I don't know what am I. So we went into a room, and he had something that looked like a dollhouse. It was like a big house with doors. And he opened it up, and there's an idol in there. And that's what he worships. That's what his family worships. How stupid is that? To worship the creation instead of the creator. Satan says, I'm going to be like God. And he told the same thing to human beings. You can be like God. So, we see the fall. The rebellion, the pride. Satan, a created angel with a great position, was lifted up in pride, desired to become God, to rule the heavens and the earth, and take the position, and he fell. And so the next thing in the top, I think it's the top of page five, when did the fall happen? There's only two aspects of when the fall could have happened, okay? Number one, A, A, the fall happened this way. God created angels. Lucifer's at the throne. Lucifer rebelled. Bad angels went with him. Then God created the heavens and the earth. And the good angels rejoiced at the creation. And then Satan went down to the earth and tempted Eve. So it could have been that God created Eve, it, the angels. The angels rebelled. Then God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? There's a second thing, and that's B, that God created angels. Then he created the world. And after he created the world, one of the angels, Satan or Lucifer, rebelled. So it's either before the creation of our world or after the creation of our world that he failed. I mean, there's no other times that it could be. Unless y'all can think of something I can't think of. There's all kind of theology. People all the time. And you know, by the way, most people that are in the seminaries, and I love seminaries, I love Dallas Seminary. When I went there, I'm, it's a place for people to learn and study and grow and dig. But what I actually see is so many people are, are raising questions and thoughts that nobody's talking about, that the average one of us out here, we're not dealing with some of the stuff that they want to spend hours on. One of the, I remember that I had a choice, I had a, I had a choice to write a thesis or to take six extra hours. I took the six extra hours because, to, here's why, to write the thesis, uh, would be you had to come up with any kind of subject you wanted to come up with. And guys came up with things like why a particular verb was used so many times or why the constant was this. Or, and I thought, this is ridiculous. Who cares about that? 
I'd rather get more information than write a thesis on something that, you know what my thesis was going to be on? I had already planned it, and then they made a change and said, if you'd rather take six more hours instead of doing the thesis, you could do that. I said, I'd rather do that. My thesis was going to be on the advantages and disadvantages of being single in ministry, because I was single then. And you can automatically think, what would be some advantages of being single in ministry? And then what would be some advantages of, what disadvantages of being single in ministry? Now, guess what? When I first thought about that, I thought, you know, I'll just write people, guys that are in, in ministry that are single, and we'll get information. I forgot about one whole group, Catholic Church priest. So I'm glad I didn't do it. <laughs> Because I don't think, let me, I don't think the ministry they have corresponds to the ministry we have. It is not the same. It's not the same. It's, it has a total different way of looking at, at how ministry happens. And it's just totally different. So I'm, I'm so glad I did something else. But, but uh, they, they, they discuss, okay, here's Satan. Here's the fall. Did God have the fall and then say to Satan, you're bad. I'm going to show you. I'm going to create man. I'm going to let man fall. And then I'm going to save him. And I didn't save you. I'm going to show you how bad you are by showing that even the weak man I save. That's what some, and they, they spend hours trying to figure out, is that right or not? Is it right or not? How, how can we know? It's ridiculous. So anyway, all right. Let me look at the time. Okay. So we got. Let's talk about the results of the fall. The results of what happened. And we're going to go into a lot more details later on some of this. But let's talk about the results of the fall. A. Satan lost his position. He is no longer the guardian of the throne. He no longer has a great position. He's been cast out. Isaiah fourteen fifteen says. Uh, Nevertheless, you'll be thrust down to Sheol, basically heart of the earth. He says you're going to be thrown out of here. So, he's lost his position. B, there is a corruption of his character. A corruption of his character. Um, he's pretty much evil, isn't he? He's an evil being. He used to be Lucifer, son of the morning. Now he's Satan, opposition and adversary. There's a corruption of his character. He went from being one of the most beautiful, powerful, great angels to being the most evil being that has ever existed. Think about it. C. He is destined for the lake of fire. That's where he's going, lake of fire. Matthew 25, verse 41. The lake of fire was planned for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, verse 41. He's destined for the lake of fire. Where will he be for all eternity? Lake of fire. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 41. That's where it says that the, de the lake of fire is, is prepared for the devil and his angels. Are we on D? D. Okay, his power is now for evil. He could have used his power for good. He is in total... Op this is D. His power is for evil. Uh, he is total opposition to God and man, and all that he does is evil and not good. He is the most evil being in all creation. So just think about it. There's never a good thing. There's never a good thing that he does. Even if something looks good, it's, there's an evil intent behind it. E. He will be judged, or he has been judged by Christ 
on the cross. He is judged by Christ on the cross. And just write Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Colossians 2, verse 15. Okay? It says that when Christ died on the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. Who are the rulers and authorities? That's angels. He's not talking about people. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made public display of them, having triumphed over them through Christ. He's talking about that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he defeated Satan. What was Genesis 3.15? What did it say? The seed of woman will do what? Crush the head of the serpent. When did that happen? When Jesus died on the cross. That's when it happened. That's it. That's, that's him judging Satan when he's on the cross. And then F... He, he will be judged by Christ at the second coming. This is the whole result of his fall. He'll be judged by Christ at the second coming. If you want to put a verse, Revelation 20, verses 1, 2, and 3. This is when Jesus comes and casts him into the abyss for a thousand years and then throws him into the lake of fire. Okay, Revel- Yeah, and, and, and I don't know. You know, when it talks about us judging the angels, I still haven't figured that one out. I don't know whether it means somehow we judge good angels. Does it mean somehow we judge the bad angels? What about Satan? Is he... I mean, we already know that the lake of fire is for, for Satan and his angels. So how does this fit? Um, the beast and the false prophet are thrown in the lake of fire for Satan is. And they're people. And, and it's probably in a sense, Yeah. I, you know, maybe we'll figure out one day on how we judge angels, and we'll go, really? Okay, well, get over there, angel. <laughs> that's another one. When we, yeah, that's one we could discuss for a long time. So the results of the fall, those things. Now, let me give you some things we've seen tonight, okay? Number one, there are many false assumptions about the devil. There are many false assumptions about the devil, that he's not real, that he's all-powerful, that he lives in hell, that he's ugly. Listen, can you picture uh, the description of this being in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28? Does he look ugly to you? And he's, ah, he's beautiful, isn't he? Whatever he is, he's beautiful in that. So when you say that people say Satan's this ugly looking thing with horns coming up and pitchfork and just horrible face and all the things that you, I don't think he's going to come to, he's not coming to us in that way. He comes, he and his, he and his servants come as angels of light. And who came to Joseph Smith? Who he said came to him? Moroni, an angel. Now, Joseph Smith forgot Galatians chapter 1 where Paul said, if we are an angel out of heaven, give you, a go- give you a gospel contrary to what you've already believed, let him be accursed. But Joseph Smith didn't know that, and Joseph Smith didn't care, and Joseph Smith thought that an angel came and gave him a new message. That's an angel. That's an angel. Second, the second thing we've seen is Satan was created by God as the anointed cherub to guard the throne. Satan was created by God as the anointed cherub to guard the throne of God. Isn't that amazing? I bet you if you said to uh, Gabriel, Gabriel, did you ever get to guard the throne of God? What do you think Gabriel might say? I don't think so. I I didn't ever get to do that. Everybody got that? Satan was created by God as the anointed cherub uh, to guard the throne of God. 
Number three, everybody got it? Satan. Satan in pride rebelled against God, wanting to be God. Satan in pride rebelled against God, wanting to be God. So when you think Bible, think of humility rather than pride. Always think humility rather than pride. Number four, Satan lost his position, becoming the most evil being, and will ultimately be judged by Jesus. Now, you don't have to write every word, but we're just saying Satan lost his position, has become the most evil being, ultimately God's going to judge him. And what's sad about our study is the next bunch of weeks are all going to be dealing with Satan and the demons because with the first four lessons all dealt with the good angels, but the last lessons are going to deal with the bad angels. So get used to it. <laughs> Gee. Okay, let's make some applications. You ready? Application number one, let's realize there are many false assumptions about the devil. Let's just realize that there's so many things out there that people say and do that are wrong, that are just people have always thought. I mean, there's so many people who say there's no such thing as a devil. There's no such thing as a real... It's something mankind made up to, to blame his evilness on. You know, that's what, or that he, he is a, a horrible being. So just realize there's all kind of false assumptions about the devil. And let's understand as we study all this, let's understand what he's really like. Because we're going to get more and more and more. We're going to have at least, at least through lesson seven, eight. We're going to get through probably at least eight, lesson eight before we get ready to get to the demons. And then that'll give us at least four or five lessons dealing with the demons. And see, one of the things you're going to see in demons is this whole occult thing. Let me ask you one question. I'll just throw this out. What are UFOs? Well, we know that it's an unidentified flying object, but what are they? And they're real. You know that. Yeah, they're real. Too many people have seen them. People have all seen them. All kind of things. So what are they? We'll talk about it. But anyway, um, they are angels. They're demons. Let me ask you a question. If you believe there's one God one Savior, and one world. And then somebody says to you, oh, no, 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 there, there are other beings all over the, 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 there's other planets and other beings and, and there's UFOs and, and you go, oh, well, maybe the Bible's not right. All, the, all UFOs do is take the truth away from the fact that there is this world and God and Savior and all of that and put it on the fact that there may be something else out there. Think about it. Okay, uh, number two, understand the fall of Satan. Why did he fall? Pride lifted up. Uh, wanted to be God. That's rebellion. Pride brings us down. Humility lifts us up. Just write down Philippians 2, 5 through 11 and read that sometime. Read what Jesus did because it's, it's the perfect picture of what we need to do. He taught his men that same thing. He said at the very end, he said, what do you want to do? If you want to be great, you have to be a what? A servant. That's exactly right. If you want to be great, be a servant. Number three, number three application, realize one day God will judge Satan casting him into the lake of fire. Just realize what's going to happen to him. God allows Satan to rule this fallen world. Let me, let me ask you something. Could you say to God, why do you let Satan rule this world? You could say that, couldn't you? But he could also say, well, then why did you mess it up? Why did y'all mess the thing up? And, and you had the whole world yourself. He could, everything could have been great, but you blew it. 